It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. And wow, what a wild week 14 Sunday it was. We already broke down the Thursday nighter. That was a bit disappointing, uh, 20-17. to The Falcons beating the Saints on Focus Friday. But wow, we didn't expect... All those twists and turns and crazy results to happen on Sunday. You had some very disappointing performances. You had some monster performances that carried a lot of teams, I'm sure, into the next round of the fantasy football playoffs. Some the championship, some the semifinals, but so much excitement going on. And uh, we'll break down all of that action here as we do put a bow on Week 14 with Roundup Monday before we can uh, flip the script to Week 15 and remember that you don't want to really chase the box scores here. We're looking for the best takeaways you can uh, put into making your team better and more successful in week 15. So all the way through the Steeler studs coming through a lot of great excitement. So we'll dive right into that. And our first game up in the early window that we'll talk about is the 49ers and Texans 26, 16, is the final. The 49ers win their second straight road game and second straight start with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he really is a story here. Again, not a monstrous fantasy day because he did have his second pick in as many games, his second career pick, but 334 yards and a TD. So he did eat up the yardage here that we expected against the Texans' weak pass defense. Yeah, another score would have made his uh, day pretty, pretty nice here for you. But uh, you look at Garoppolo, a little off at times, did have a pick, but... He's getting the job done moving the ball around and facilitating this offense. And the big development has been Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, he looked at like a wide receiver 3-4, but now I think he's a wide receiver 2, borderline 1 with the way he's being used 
there in the connection with Garoppolo, immediate connection. Six catches, 106 yards on 12 targets in this victory. He was the biggest thing that the Texans could not cover. Then he spread the ball around while Garrett Selleck made a big play and got the touchdown. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, the versatile guy that they used. Got the ball to Kendrick Bourne, Aldrick Robinson, Lewis Murphy, Trent Taylor, George Kittle. So remember, these are not household names, and this is without Pierre Garçon in there, maybe without a chance to upgrade at the other receiving spot in the draft for the 49ers. So Garoppolo has high upside for 2018 for sure in this Kyle Shannon offense. We know the kind of season that uh, Matt Ryan was able to have in this, and Garoppolo's getting a head start. Remember, it took Matt Ryan two years to kind of break out for Shanahan, and uh, that's why Garoppolo playing now is very good for his chances for production reality play and fantasy and then another thing he's doing is making Carlos Hyde very viable you'll take a 14 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown a tough matchup any day as your RB2 for Hyde so he's helped Hyde he's helped everyone in this passing game the 49ers defense is starting to play better and that's another thing that's developed here as well they're just not the same sieve as earlier because they're being able to control the ball score and put pressure on teams so that's also changed and uh, with the Texans uh I thought Tom Savage could have a good game. Unfortunately, he got knocked out of this one early, and uh, they put him in for a game, looked woozy, and uh, had to come out here for T.J. Yates. And T.J. Yates looked very good, 175 yards and two TDs. The problem is no one thought that he was going to be in there. So when you look at the combined game by these two, and I think Savage could have hung in there to put up some points, it was pretty good as expected against the 49ers. The thing that's really changed, if you've noticed here in the past few weeks, Jordan Howard was shut down. This 49ers run defense used to be terrible. This game, Lamar Miller was shut down. 17 carries, 53 yards, only two catches for seven yards. So this 49ers run defense has kind of found something, some answers here late in the season as their defensive line and linebacker core has played better. So this is not the same team where you can automatically assume the big rushing guards are going to be there. They're playing the Titans next week. And you look at that's a good matchup offensively for Garoppolo against another bad secondary, but you can't expect the Titans, even with their running game, because it's not been as elite as you expect here. It got shut down in Arizona. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But when you look at that, you just can't assume the Titans are going to run all over the 49ers. They're just doing a lot of better things here. What we learned quickly with uh, Yates coming in for Savage as well is that DeAndre Hopkins – Became even a bigger go-to guy, if that's possible. 16 targets, caught 11 for 149 and two DDs. So what a big-time performance here that you wanted in this great matchup for Hopkins. He comes through. He comes through every week. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. But it seemed like Yates even favored him more. He thought Yates might be able to spread it out. But uh, Steven Anderson, our uh, hot sleeper, really faded here. The connection just wasn't there with either... Yates or Savage, this one 2 for 16 on 6 targets there. Now, Will Fuller returned, that kind of affected other receivers doing things, but he only had 3 for 26 on 5 targets. So, pretty much still the DeAndre Hopkins show, and if Miller's not going to get going in the running game, Hopkins is going to pretty much be their main source of offense, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. We'll have to see if Savage can play. I would think that you'll have to miss at least one game, but Yates, Savage, doesn't really matter. Hopkins is going to keep getting the job done for your team we move on to our next game and uh this is the bears going on the road to destroy the bengals 33 to 7 and we'll start with the bears because you saw vontes perfect missing the game with a concussion nick vigil was already out as well i thought 
Jordan Howard could really get on track. You'd think they would feed him a lot after last week's debacle. They did. 23 carries, 147 yards, and a pair of two TDs. Terry Cohen had his way as well with 12 carries for 80 yards. I think this should have been the Bears' offense for a long time. Finally, Dell Logan's the offensive coordinator. Finally stuck to what their game plan really should have been pretty much every week with Mitchell Trubisky in there. Of course, it helps that the Bengals were a little bit more vulnerable against the run, but uh, the Bears took full advantage of that. Mitchell Trubisky really played well in this one. 25 of 32, 271 yards, and a TD to Adam Shaheen. So Adam Shaheen really struggled to get on track last week against the 49ers, but became a bigger part catching four of five targets for 44 yards and a TD. Kendall Wright came through as well with uh, Trubisky playing well. 10 catches, 107 yards on 11 targets. So Dontrell Inman kind of uh, out of this uh, mix here. And uh, Josh Bellamy had a big play as well. But Wright, when the running game is working, the slot receiver and the tight end are going to work for Mitchell Trubisky, and that's what you see. So we'll have to see with the Bears going forward. But uh, right now you have to feel a lot more confident in Howard. I think Cohen comes into play. Two straight good games for Cohen. So he is now a key part of this game plan with things happening in the rest of this offense. So when when you look at that, yeah, the upside is low overall, but uh, you look at Howard Cohen, and I think Shaheen could have some very good value in the matchup coming up this week as well. So keep that in mind. So this offense has some upside. It's uh, trending in the right direction at the right time to have some viability, especially if you're Howard owner, you had to be pleased with the uh, John Fox and his staff getting it right. On the other side, we really liked Gio Bernard. They're filling in for Joe Mixon, who was out with the concussion. He came through for you. You wanted a touchdown, maybe, but you're not going to be too greedy when he has 130 yards from scrimmage on 17 touches. So you'll take that any day there, and it was a good value play for sure because the PPR value even in the half-pointer with the six catches there for Bernard. So he came through. Disappointing game for A.J. Green. You thought him and Andy Dalton would eat up this secondary. Didn't happen. 141 yards passing, 14 for 29, only for Dalton. So terrible game for Dalton. Green ended up with only 5 for 64 on 12 targets. So the Bears really did a good job breaking up that connection. Brandon Afell had a TD. So Bernard, we were all in on, and that came through. But everything else on the Bengals was an absolute mess in this one and Bengals becoming a harder team to trust now this is a situation you think at 1 p.m and everything would go well but now they got to play the Vikings here in week 15 and you can't be confident about anything in this offense I think you play Jake Green but remember he's gonna have Xavier Rhodes probably uh shadow him in this game so low upside Bengals offense uh, only one touchdown it's not going to get too much better in Minnesota we Go to our next game, the Snow Bowl, between the Bills and the Colts. 13-7, the Bills win. Pretty much you cannot pass in this game when you look at the uh, 16 attempts for Buffalo, only 22 for the Colts. Buffalo, Nathan Peterman with him in there, they weren't going to do much. 57 yards passing only. Did have a TD there to Kelvin Benjamin. Great catch in the end zone, but... uh, not much there. Joe Webb had to come in. He was only 2 of 6 for 35 yards and a pick. So really it was an all-running type game. 51 attempts in all. 32 carries for LaShawn McCoy, including the game-winning touchdown in overtime. So if you played McCoy, you were extremely thrilled there. He came through as a 
must-have DFS play there in cash games. 156 yards and a score on the ground. So he didn't have to be involved too much in the running in the passing game at all. Here with the McCoy just eating up yards and yards, the volume was high. On the other side, the same thing happened with Frank Gore. He didn't get in the end zone. That was a, a short pass there to Jack Doyle as his uh, only big play of the day. But uh, look at Frank Gore, 36 carries there. So it adds up. He only had 3.6 yards per carry, but it added up 130. He also had a catch for 10 yards. So this Buffalo run defense, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Same thing with the Indianapolis run defense. Both units not very good, so you want to keep exploiting them here down the stretch as much as possible. Whoever they're playing, both teams are very vulnerable against the run, and that's what you're seeing. And unfortunately, the weather had a lot to do with wiping out everything in the passing game, but it had to be encouraging that Benjamin, Kelvin Benjamin, three catches, 38 yards. And TD saw eight targets that he made some big plays for this team for the first time and might have some value. The weather cooperates, and the health of uh, Tyrod Taylor cooperates going forward for sure with the Colts they seem dedicated to keep giving Gore the ball Marlon Mack only had nine touches in this T.Y. Hilton was just wiped out in the snow as well so you can't take away too much from this except the run defenses are still bad for both teams it doesn't matter what the conditions are we go to our next game typically it'll be a marquee game in a marquee window but it was not it was a 1 p.m. game the Cowboys and Giants 30 to 10 the Cowboys pulled away in this one with 20 points there to break a tie in the fourth quarter and uh it was close otherwise but uh Dak Prescott we said we really liked him in this one he came through 332 yards three TDs he was all in the zone with his intermediate receivers now the box score was really surprising here because Rod Smith had a long touchdown an 81 yard burst there to really pad the day for him and Prescott but five catches 113 yards on five targets so Weird game for Rod Smith. He also had six carries for 47 yards on a touchdown. So, unfortunately, a lot of people that had Rod Smith in their deeper leagues probably did not play him because of the limited touches he'd been getting. But the Cowboys were in control, gave him more of an opportunity here. Alfred Morris was pretty effective at times, but he had 62 yards only on 19 carries. So, a little bit of a limitation there where they went for the upside of Rod Smith to get a spark in the offense. And, uh, Des Bryant had a good game, three catches, 73 yards, and five targets. Another trip to the end zone, second straight week. Cole Beasley had a big play for 54 yards. A lot of big plays that the Giants are giving up, and uh, that's going to be something that you're going to watch. Uh, Philadelphia plays them this week. So big, big uh, chances there for big plays in the running and passing game, and the Cowboys took full advantage of that. And uh, this Giants team is absolute free fall without Janoris Jenkins in the secondary. Their linebacker core is a mess. They can't stop anything. So all in with everything the Giants do. It didn't really matter that Steve Spagnuolo took over. His interim head coach is the defense coordinator. The defense still stinks with all the injuries. On the Giants side, you were highly disappointed with Eli Manning. I mean, he get, comes back in the start. Big pomp and circumstance. He well goes back to old Eli Manning. 228 yards. TD, two picks, a rating of only 68. Just not very good at all. Evan Ingram was solid again, catching over four, seven targets for 54 yards. But Sterling Shepard was a monstrous disappointing. Really, every other receiver was just bad here for the Giants. Rhett Ellison caught the touchdown, so Ingram couldn't even get in the end zone. He had Sterling Shepard in a terrific matchup, two catches, 16 yards, and he also had a carry 
that was disastrous there for minus nine yards. So Sterling Shepard was just awful in this game. Eli was not very good. The running game became a little bit more Wayne Gallman, who uh, actually tallied 99 from scrimmage on 19 touches. So it kind of pivoted away more from Arlene Starkway with the game flow getting out of hand. And I think that could happen here with the season totally out of hand here. 12 touches for 44 yards for Orleans Starkway. So he's a goal line dependent back at this time. Like Gallman looks like the guy that they want to get more involved to maybe spark an offense that really needs something here to take out of the season as a positive. Now, whether it's the Giants you like or the Eagles or your team or the Seahawks, Falcons, any of these uh, contenders in the NFC, we've got a show for you on the Lod on podcast NFL Network. It's like getting your beat report uh, progressive throughout the week. Great player interviews, uh, features, and everything you could ask for to follow your team and know everything you need to know about your favorite team. So check out those shows for sure. Love listening to what they're saying on Locked on Eagles or Locked on Seahawks. Any of these shows are just fantastic, and I can't recommend it more. I love being part of this network, and uh, you should check out all the shows there. You can subscribe, like you do for the show, on iTunes, and uh, check us out on the platform for Panoply. Every show you can listen to on the Lockdown Network is just going to make you smarter about the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, let's move on to a interesting 1 o'clock game here. The Lions were in control of this game against the Buccaneers. They were about to pull away, leading 21-7, but had to rally to win 24-21 with a uh, late field goal drive. Matthew Stafford played very well with the hand. He did have two picks there. That probably was played a part, in the, but he had... 381 yards and a TD against his bad buck secondary. Theo Riddick was the story. He pilfered a couple TDs there. Didn't really run effectively, but he got the goal line work again here with Noah Amir Abdullah. A healthy inactive. He had the neck injury going in, but he was scratched because they wanted to look at other options in the running game. So Amir Abdullah is just completely unusable now that he could have played and they didn't want to play him. Riddick with the 10 carries for 29 did score twice, so that kind of saved his day. So Abdullah's kind of superfluous if Riddick is going to be able to do that and be effective in the pass game as well. Six catches for 64 yards on 10 targets. So Riddick looks like the feature guy for now. Ahead of all the other backs, Teon Green only five carries for 15 yards. When you look at uh, the Lions receiving, you expect a little bit more from Marvin Jones, but... Got going late in this game to have a salvageable day in PPR. Three catches, 64 yards on four targets. Golden Tate was busy. Eight catches, 85 yards on nine targets in the score. So basically he was using as an extension of the running game. And Eric Ebron, I don't know the Lions like this Bucks matchup against a tight end with the no TJ Ward on the other side. Really exploited that. Ten catches for 94 yards on 11 targets. Not the only random uh, big volume tight end day that we didn't expect. 
this week. But uh, Ebron, definitely a big part of what they want to do. Clearly less of Kenny Galladay here in the mix. It's really the two wide receivers and the tight end, Riddick, being uh, the primary guys going forward for Matthew Stafford. On the other side, you look at the Buccaneers, uh, another disappointing game for James Winston. He did, fantasy-wise, he seems to find the 2TD, 275 range, but reality, really ugly game with the fumble and uh, two interceptions as well. So a lot of things he just uh, leaves on the table. Doug Martin, he did get a touchdown, but he also lost a fumble. It was really terrible overall, but somehow they stuck with him, 12 touches for 48 yards well here comes Peyton Barber rushes 12 times automatically gets 58 yards not a surprise there that Barber did more he had a chance to score a touchdown as well just didn't materialize they threw it to OJ Howard instead for a short one so that was a weird thing that OJ Howard was back to being the big target here tight end over Cameron Brait only one catch for 11 yards on one target after scoring twice last week this week OJ Howard took over again four catches 54 and six well Chris Godwin was the leading receiver here of all the people. Just uh, another bad game with uh, Mike Evans facing Darius Slay. Two catches, 25 yards there. So the connection just has totally been lost with Winston. It's very disappointing. And Deshaun Jackson, not much better. Four catches for 41 yards. So what a disaster this Bucks offense has become. It's just a crapshoot every week, what you're going to trust. And I don't think it's going to get better. I think this does have high upside if they make a coaching change. I would expect that to happen. Offensive-minded away from Dirk Cutter at the end of this year. Our next 1 o'clock game that was the surprise shootout, and we're welcoming it, was the uh, Packers rallying again. Second straight overtime win, 27-21. They were actually down 21-7 in this game. In the fourth quarter, they rally with 14 points and then score the winning touchdown in overtime. Brett Hundley, what a road warrior this guy has been, and uh, he's kept them alive. He's probably facing his last start here, so they play on the road in Carolina, but Aaron Rodgers should be cleared to return that game, but uh, if not, this has to inspire a lot more confidence as well. 35 for 46, 265 yards, three TDs, also had 31 yards rushing, so huge game for Hundley on the road. He's just been somehow better on the road this year, and has kept their hopes alive in this one with some big-time play that uh, you'd see from Rodgers in certain situations. But Jamal Williams, what can you say? What a godsend he's been for fantasy teams late in the season, taking over Aaron Jones. He's looked much better than Aaron Jones or Ty Montgomery ever did. 22 touches there, 118 yards and two scores. What a big day for Williams. He's wide open on a 30-yard passing touchdown from Hundley. Devontae Adams, just what can you say? With Hundley, he's been locked in. 10 catches, 84 yards, and a couple of scores on 14 targets. So Adams has been on fire. He's, he'll still be a big part when Aaron Rodgers returns, for sure. He's just carried this team well. Williams will be there as well. What we'll like is uh, Jordy Nelson coming back to relevance. Only four catches for 33 yards and five targets. for Whatever it's worth, that has been the big fallout from the Hunley injury. A lot of other things, Williams and uh, Adams have been continuing to be affected, but Nelson has just been erased from games. And keep in mind, the Browns do have one pretty good corner there in Jason McCourty, and uh, that's kind of what you saw materialize here for the most part but great game by Hundley great game by this rushing tap great game overall by the Packers 
On the Browns' side, uh, Deshaun Kaiser also had three TDs, only 214 yards, only rushed for seven, had two picks in there as well. So that allowed the uh, Packers to kind of creep back into this game and take advantage. The big story was that Josh Gordon and Corey Coleman were both affected. Three for 69 on six targets and a touchdown for Gordon. Five for 62 on six targets and a touchdown for Corey Coleman. And Duke Johnson Jr. was effective as well in the passing game. Four catches, 41 yards, a TD, and uh, not much rushing, but uh, Isaiah Crowell did the work there. 19 carries, 121 yards, as well as one three catches for 10 yards. So very good game for both. Browns backs in this one overall but things just slow down for them late in the game but you were looking for Kaiser to be a good streamer that happened for sure Gordon and Coleman could come through in this matchup that happened for sure as well so at least fantasy wise even though the Browns still didn't get a win they fall to 0-13 this was a perfect development and a sneaky source of points if you had a lot of shares in this one you were very very pleased we go to another 1 o'clock game here. We have two more to talk about. The Chiefs and Raiders, and from the Raiders we'll start. They were the massive disappointment. Derek Carr, horrible season. One TD, two interceptions there. You thought he could recreate some of the things that happened in the first matchup in Oakland. That did not happen, especially with Amari Cooper getting rolled on and getting re-injured there in this game. No catches on one target for Cooper. Got banged up, and he was out of this pretty quickly, so... That was unfortunate for Cooper owners that uh, he uh, was activated and then he got hurt again and you got a big fat goose egg with Cooper. He didn't fare much better than Michael Crabtree. Salvaged seven catches for 60 yards, 13 targets, but a lot of it came in late, late garbage time. It was looking pretty bad for Crabtree. Kind of salvaged his PPR day. When you look at uh, Jared Cook, even with Clive Walford being factor, Cook got the garbage there. Five catches, 75 yards, and a TD on six targets, but overall pretty bad for the Raiders. They got one nice play there in garbage time with Marshawn Lynch. Seven carries, 61 yards, including a 27-yard TD. So the game flow got out of hand. Lynch could have done more, but only seven carries for him overall. But the Chiefs were in control of this one pretty steadily here. They're up 26-0 after three quarters. And the that 26 nothing score tells you that it was a big field goal fest for the Chiefs, which was true, and that really hurt Alex Smith on this one because Kareem Hunt came back to life. The game flow and the score all worked out in the Chiefs' favor where they could feed Hunt finally in the second half. So he had 25 carries, 116 yards, and a TD. Also three catches from 22 yards. So for Kareem Hunt owners who've been waiting for this game since, like, September, he finally came through because the Chiefs were finally in control of a game from start to finish. That hurt Alex Smith. Alex Smith had a chance for a touchdown. One was called back to Travis Kelsey that looked very good, 7 for 74 for Kelsey. So that turned a great game into just a solid game for Kelsey on 13 targets. Tyreek Hill had some chances for big plays, made a 44-yarder, but only 4 for 75. And that tells you Alex Smith did not have a good fantasy game, 260 yards, 268 yards and a pick, no TDs to show for it, was sacked four times, only 24 yards rushing there. So really irrelevant day for Smith and Carr, disappointing. And this tells you really, when you look at these two teams, it's basically Hunt and Lynch that you trust going forward. Everything else with the way these quarterbacks are is just a crapshoot from week to week. Now the marquee game in the 1 o'clock window, and the one I was at, was the Panthers rallying to beat the 
the Vikings 31-24. The rally is in this game it was in their control, but they had to do some things late there to make sure they didn't lose it. It was 24-24 until the uh, Panthers scored the game-winning touchdown on their last real drive of the game. When we look at Cam Newton, he was disappointing for most of the day here for sure. 137 yards passing, only TD interception. He did make up for everything with that 62-yard run late in the game to really make his day worth it. That kind of added an extra touchdown into his mix, but still not a great, great game for Newton overall, fancy or reality-wise, but uh, he was effective, made the plays when needed to get the victory. Jonathan Stewart, this comes out of nowhere. He's never had a three-touchdown game. He had it. This team, the Vikings, had never allowed a 100-yard rusher. I think the top, highest total was 94 early in the season against Amir Abdullah. It's Jonathan Stewart, random. 60-yard run early on the Panthers' first drive with a big, big game. So it, what's the the thing that's most frustrating about Stewart is that you never know when these big games are going to come. They seem to come in tough matchups when you least expect it. And in a good matchup like uh, New Orleans last week, it doesn't look so good except for score, but I think with Stewart, his value is that he can always get in the end zone, whether it's long or short, and you saw that happen here for sure, and that makes him a viable RB2, and right now, Christian McCaffrey was said he's a more valuable back, but Stewart and the scoring has made him more relevant at the moment, 11 touches only for 43 yards, so the Panthers are pretty much going back to what they did pre-McCaffrey. The McCaffrey-Newton connection is not working as well. There there was a pick there late in the game on one of those targets, so totally off-off connection, and uh, unfortunate for McCaffrey that he continues to be squandered here. Devin Funches, tough matchup against Xavier Rhodes, but still came through with uh, three catches for 59 yards and a TD. Great buying time by Newton on one particular play. Other than a 60-yard run, that was the big play there is moving around to find Funches for a touchdown early in the third quarter so Funches has proved he's solid if he can come through in a matchup like that and not his best day but still fight through it and score for sure Greg Olson the foot wasn't right he was catchless staying in the game despite re-injuring the foot but uh, still nothing to see there it's still mainly the Devin Funches show for the Panthers passing game on the other side, Case Keenum, Keenum and Adam Thielen kept it going here with six catches, 105 yards, and T on 13 targets. So Keenum was fine, 280 yards, and uh, two TDs, had the two picks, lost a fumble. So Keenum, if you streamed him, you were a little disappointed, but then you were okay with him getting 40 yards rushing in this game as well to help make up for uh, some of the passing letdown here. But still went over 20 points for you, and you got to be pleased with that from Keenum and any quarterback, really, at this stage of the season. The running game was completely shut down. Jarek McKinnon looked like his more type of day, but he did run pretty effectively, only seven carries for 46 yards. Latavius Murray and his power ways were totally shut down in this one. And um, Stefan Diggs, you expect more from him. He's just been disappointing to me overall. Ten targets, caught six for 64, let one turn into an interception there. That really cost the Vikings in the fourth quarter. So disappointing. Kyle Rudolph is just on fire. It's the Rudolph and Thielen show. Rudolph caught a, another touchdown here early. Three for 41, five targets. So Rudolph, in this tough season of tight ends, is looking as close to the every weaker as you can expect uh, this late in the season. And he's a great play against the Bengals next week and their banged up defense. 
Are you looking forward to next year's superstars and uh, the next wave of talent that you can draft in your fantasy football leagues, whether it's a Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, runner-up there, Lamar Jackson, or Saquon Barkley, the dynamic running back from Penn State, locked on NFL Draft uh, is a great show for you. Joe Ledyard and uh, Trevor Sekuma do a great job breaking down next year's talent. And uh, soon here, April will be coming around, the season will be over, and you'll be all focused on the NFL Draft and uh, doing some advanced scouting for fantasy football in 2018. So make sure you listen to that show. It's a great source for knowing what's coming up around the corner in the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We now go into our late games, and uh, 23-0, the Broncos are over the Jets. I didn't really like the Jets too much in this game, then it was confirmed when Josh McCown threw a pick and got hurt, again, broke his left hand. Bryce Petty had to come in. He knew it was all downfield from there. Suddenly, Trevor Simeon was looking pretty darn good on the other side. Not a great game for Simeon, but he didn't have to do anything. It was a field goal fast for the most part. 200 yards passing, 19-31, and a TD to Demarius Thomas. Andy Janovich, of all the running backs they have, the fullback popped it in on a one-yard run. C.J. Anderson could not pop it in there. Nowhere to be found was Jamal Charles, hardly a blip in the passing game. So Anderson still looking like the feature back when you look at the touches here. 24 touches for 73 yards, not the greatest game, but still working out of the Dave Booker. Emmanuel Sanders has totally faded. This has been the Demarius Thomas show here for sure. Eight catches on 12 targets for 93 yards in that score. Sanders banged up in the ankle. Only one catch for 16 yards. Him and Simeon are way off and Sanders is just not playable in fantasy right now, but Thomas is. On the Jets side, Petty came in. We don't know if Josh McCown's going to play. We doubt it going forward. Robbie Anderson cooled off. Jermaine Kurse cooled off. He thought... Austin Safarian Jenkins would do something in this one, maybe score a touchdown against the Broncos, all kind of wiped away once McCown was knocked out of this game. So we don't know anything of Jets' offense going forward. I mean, Bryce Petty dragged down the running game as well. So ugly game for the Jets. If it's uh, Petty going forward or they're going to take a look at Christian Hackenberg, you got to avoid almost everything Jets going forward. Our next game is the Chargers and Redskins. And the uh, the Chargers all over the Redskins here, 30-13, to 13, and not a surprise the way things happen. Phillip Rivers was solid again, 319 yards, two TDs, even when the game that controlled, you, you love it that Rivers still goes over 300 like he did against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Melvin Gordon expected him to come through. It wasn't the easiest way to get through with the 23 catches or 23 touches for 83 yards, but did get in the end zone to really help his day. Austin Eckler still kind of pilfers a little bit from him, but uh, Gordon is still the man here when you look at Eckler and his touches, only four overall for him. So had uh, even three targets in this game, failed to record any. So, And we said it was the Keenan Allen Hunter Henry show that happened. Six catches under 11 yards, no TD, but a uh, big game for Allen again on eight targets, four for 50. 
on six targets and a TD for Henry. you got to be happy with that. Tyrell Williams popped back up with a 75-yard touchdown. He's a big play guy. It's been a while since he's been doing anything in the big play realm, but he had it random McDay. He's still not going to go chase him for this. Four catches, 132 yards. Called all the targets, and clearly the Redskins have just kind of given up here, letting teams just roll over them. And uh, So if you got anybody on the other side, uh, you look at the game, Against the Cardinals this week, the Cardinals are playing harder. I think you have to go with as many Cardinals as you can and feel good about them in this game for sure. Kirk Cousins, rough game, 151 yards, TD interception. Things have crumbled around him for sure. Only took two sacks against this team, but just really, really bad game overall for this uh, Redskins offense. Uh, Vernon Davis, of course, when you didn't even care to use him, seven targets, only caught two for 26-yard TD, but everyone else who raced so much. P. Ryan was shut down, Doxon and Crowder were shut down. Just ugly, ugly box score. And I don't know if it's going to get much better for the Redskins right now. Offensively and defensively, they look like a mess. I would not trust anything. Another team that uh, you can uh, file away right there with the Raiders as uh, most of the things look pretty ugly. Our next game is the uh, Cardinals and Titans, and the Cardinals... Uh, Upset the Titans. I actually picked this one. A field goal fest for the Cardinals. So not much to see there. Blaine Gabbert was pretty ineffective. 178 yards passing because sacked five times. Uh, Marcus Meredith was through two picks. Sacked three times. So ugly games for both quarterbacks. And uh, I feel good about that because I said don't start Mariota. Don't start uh, Josh McCown. And that really happened in this one. They're just not playing well in tough defenses on the road. Kerwin Williams did his best without uh, Adrian Peterson, but only 20 carries for 73 yards. So in a game the Cardinals won, the offensive stats were ugly. On the other side, DeMarco Murray was his usual ineffective self here, 13 carries for 47 yards. Derrick Henry was not that much better, 8 carries for 20 and a TD. So when uh, Mariota's not really a threat in the passing game and contained there and the running game is shut down, this Titans offense just can go into the tank. And that's my concern even in the matchup against the 49ers this week. But you expect a lot of Murray and Henry in that one to keep the ball out of Mariota's hands. But uh, at this point, really hard to trust the Titans as well. And uh, Richard Matthews returned, but the Patrick Peterson matchup was a little tricky. Didn't do anything there. Delaney Walker was bottled up. So Mariota's got to play better for all these guys to play better and unfortunately you cannot predict when that happens and that's very frustrating there for Tennessee the Eagles Rams was the marquee game of the late window unfortunately Carson Wentz big big injury there before he left 291 yards four TDs so delivered his final great fantasy game here of 2018 the knee injury just devastating that uh, 2017 I should say 2018 we'll hope He's back and healthy. Having a knee injury this late, though, is a concern for the beginning of 18. But for 17, you got to be pleased with his performance. Went over 33 touchdown passes here. Once was just absolutely dealing. Nick Foles did the best he could taking over, and he's going to be the guy. And he has some streaming value for sure because he has the keys to a very good offense. And I think they'll have some wrinkles that they had for Wentz still in there. But... Big, big drop-off there. You're going to have to maybe look for other alternatives so late in your uh, fantasy playoffs. He's probably carried you to big things this year, but uh, we'll discuss the streaming and pickup options you have on uh, Pickup Tuesday's show tomorrow. So we'll look deeper into that. But for now, the Eagles, the running game was very good here for the most part. Split up again, but J.H.I. slowly taking over. 
if you look at the snaps and everything as the key guy. 15 carries, 78 yards, so pretty good. Didn't get in the end zone, but Jai's getting closer to that feature status over uh, Corey Clement and LeGarrette Blunt, and they'll have to lean on a Jai more with Wentz out here going forward. They get the Giants, so you expect a Jai to go off on the Giants this week. When you look at the, the Eagles passing game, it's kind of weird. No Zach Ertz in there, so a lot of Trey Burton came through 5 for 71 and 2 TDs. Injury to LaMarcus Joyner, the best inside cover man for the Rams, definitely helped Burton get going. But Torrey Smith randomly a big game. Six catches, 111, 100 yards on 11 targets. Nelson Aguilar had eight catches for 64 and 11 targets. And Alshon Jeffrey, five for 52 and a touchdown on 11 targets. So pretty even split overall between these two quarterbacks for these guys. They treated Burton a lot like Ertz. And uh, so Eagles offense, we'll have to see how it adjusts, but I don't think it'll adjust too much with the way they distribute the ball, both in the running game and passing game with Foles in there, unfortunately. Wentz is out, but uh, we know in the year of the streaming quarterback, surprise quarterback, there are are options to survive there in fantasy football. On the other side of things, you have Jared Goff, two TDs, 199 yards, so okay game for Goff. I didn't think he was going to go off in this one, but he expected a solid game, and that's what you got from Goff without mistake. It was the Todd Gurley show, mainly 13 carries, 96 yards, two TDs. So he played really well against a tough Eagles run defense, and so he had to be pleased with that. Cooper Cup took advantage of the slot as well. Five catches, 118 yards, and a TD on seven targets. Robert Woods is on track to return, but it's really going to be Woods and Cup. Sammy Watkins, again, finds the end zone. So it seems like this is like a typical day for Watkins. Three catches, 21 yards, seven targets, and TD. He's not really the big play guy. I think that's more Cup and Woods' cup of tea here. So Woods is going to return, so Watkins is probably going to drop a little bit. I think Cup can keep up his value, and Gurley will for sure here with uh, Woods in the shoulder about to heal. We go to our next game, and it was uh, out in Jacksonville. Jaguars win 30-24. We'll start with the Jaguars side thing. Blake Bortles very usable now. Tough Seahawks defense didn't matter. 268 yards and two TDs as well. So Bortles... Uh, Grinding away, coming through the yards. London Fournette, doesn't matter who he's facing, had the big run at the end of the game to put the game away. Caused a little bit of a scuffle between these teams in kneel-down mode. But 24 carries, 101 yards, and a TD, plus four catches for 18. So with each passing week, the ankle looks a little bit better for Fournette. And uh, he's becoming a force again at the right time in the fantasy playoffs. So you got to be pleased with that. I told you I really like Dede Westbrook in this game and whoever was uh, facing the slot corner or Byron Maxwell in this game for the Seahawks and uh, Westbrook eat up Maxwell for sure he got in the end zone with uh, five catches for 81 yards and eight targets three for 99 big play for Keelan Cole 75 yards but Keelan Cole not on the fantasy radar I knew that Marquise Lee would have a little bit of a tough time there seeing a lot of Shaq Griffin and that happened uh, five for 65 so Good to see Bortles get the job done to other receivers, so that keeps the running game open for Fournette. Running game also was pretty good for Chris Ivory here, six carries for 48 yards. So Fournette's still the guy, but uh, Ivory yelled, and you have to have him on sand by any time with his ankle injury. On the other side of things, when you look at the Seahawks, weird game. They were starting really slow, then Russell Wilson exploded for some big plays there. Late to long passes to uh, Paul Richardson, a 61-yard tee, three for 72 and a score on seven targets, long TD, 74-yarded to Tyler Lockett there in the fourth quarter, four for 90 and a TD, and Doug Baldwin. So tough matchup against the secondary, but this is why you don't bench players like Wilson. 
Even with two picks in this game, he came through with 271 yards, three TDs. Made three picks, actually, for Wilson, but made up for it with three TDs and 50 yards rushing. So Wilson is just a plus talent. It doesn't matter what the matchup is, much like Tom Brady. You're going to keep him in there, and he came through for you if you stuck with that. And didn't read too much in the matchup. you got to play talent first over matchup, and that is a perfect example of that in fantasy football. And garbage time, Wilson still got his as he was trying to rally the Seahawks. Just fell a little bit short here, but uh, you have to ple- be pleased that Baldwin came through as well as the other two receivers for Wilson. In terms of the backfield, this is the big thing we want to see. Mike Davis was affected, but the game flow got out of hand here for him for sure. He had uh, 15 carries for 66 yards, so definitely a solid game for Davis. Looks like the real deal with Chris Carson. Doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, but Mike Davis is the feature back now in Seattle, and maybe things will look a little bit better here with some favorable matchups down the stretch, but Davis is Sterling, the man. J.D. McKissick is still the uh, change of pace, receiving back, not much to see there. The biggest disappointment, I think, overall was Jimmy Graham. His touchdown streak ended, his catch streak ended, Two targets, zero there. So goose eggs at a critical time of the season. It's hard to see. But uh, clearly the game plan there for the Jaguars was stopping Jimmy Graham at all costs. And it, it, it worked to some degree, and they won the game. But uh, for fantasy purposes, that doesn't really help us or excite us that much. Our final game, which was uh, absolutely nuts there on uh, Sunday night football we just don't expect the Steelers and Ravens to play a shootout but 39-38 Steelers over Ravens everything was great in this game if you had any share of this one except really for the Ravens wide receivers but other than that Ben Roethlisberger 44 attempts 66 44 completions on 66 attempts 506 yards and two TDs what a game for Roethlisberger as the Steelers led early 14-0 but then they were down late uh they had to rally from 31-20 down to win this game. So, very nuts game overall. Le'Veon Bell, the game flow really hurt him in the rushing attack, but he still got two TDs as part of his 13 carries for 48 yards. He was a monster again in the past game. Nine catches for 77 yards and a TD on 10 targets. So, Bell, Le'Veon Bell coming through the way you want in the fantasy playoffs for sure. That's what you want your number two overall pick to do. And Antonio Brown, speaking of... Uh, high overall picks your number three overall pick in all formats antonio brown right now is an outside shot to break the nfl record and maybe push for 2,000 uh, receiving yards ahead of uh, calvin johnson who just fell short of that mark but 11 catches 213 yards on 18 targets so when it becomes the bell and brown show you love it here for fantasy and uh when you think about it, think think about it this way. Brown got 18 targets. Bell got 21 combined uh, touches and targets. So when you think about that, these two guys are going to dominate games like this. So you got to be thrilled at still how much they're used, especially with no Juju Smith-Schuster. Martavis Bryant is more like a possession receiver. Jesse James is actually the most effective. Other member of this offense, 10 catches for 97 yards on 12 targets. So very Eric Ebron-like game. That was the other random tight end game. I wouldn't go chasing James. I think that was the more the product of uh, some of the things they saw in this matchup against the secondary. That they went away and there was no Smith-Schuster in this one. They had to find someone else to step up. But James was that, and Brown obviously dominated this game. So business as usual for the Steelers. I expect Bell and Brown to be at full systems go. I don't 
expect the Patriots to be able to take away either of them next week, and that's going to be another high-scoring affair as well. And uh, keep in mind the Steelers gave the Ravens a lot of opportunities to make big plays, so that should bode well for the Patriots. Chris Boswell, don't forget about him as a killer B, dropped in 19 points here for your team at a critical time as well. So great overall for the Steelers. The Ravens were the bigger surprise here that they were able to do so much. Alex Collins, what can you say? He's like the Jamal Williams of the AFC for sure. He's taken over here as a third option, young option, just power back, finishes well. 20 touches here, 166 yards and a TD. His game could have been better, but they gave Buck Allen a couple of goal line carries. There are goal line situations, including one where Collins was in the game and Allen was the up back. So that had to be a little disappointing if you'd play Collins in a tournament or format and hoping for bigger things but uh, Allen with a couple TDs there on 25 yards rushing only on six attempts but the guy that uh, got the ball in pay dart along with Collins and then Javoris Allen uh, aka Buck had two catches for 32 what this signals is that Danny Woodhead here is droppable we held on to him but while uh, Terrence West was down Collins took over just like with uh, that Danny Woodhead being down Buck Allen took over so those are the two main sources here in terms of the passing game, Mike Wallace was solid here. Three catches, 72 yards on five targets. But uh, Jeremy Macklin, 11 targets, continues to fade. Only three catches for 27 yards. The passing, other to passing touchdown, other than to fullback Patrick Ricard, was to Chris Moore. So Joe Flacco has some streaming value in uh, favorable matchups, which the Ravens have through the rest of the year. But Collins is a studly stud. He remains in your lineup. And now I consider him the way things have happened, like Jamal Williams as an RB1, not too far behind a guy like Bell at this point. That's how crazy this season has become. So there you have it. Another edition of Locked on Fantasy Football is in the books. It's a busy, busy roundup Monday for week 14. Had a lot to talk about, a lot of overtime action, a lot of exciting finishes there, and some very pleasing big-time fantasy football productions. A lot different than Week 13, and I was happy to break it down for you. Please subscribe on iTunes to get this podcast delivered to you on a regular basis. We'll come back tomorrow for Pickup Tuesday to help you with your waiver wire and free agent advice going into Week 15. For Locked On NFL Network, this is Vinny Iyer. We'll see you next time on Locked On Fantasy Football. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.